doing, Doc? I need fuel. <laughs> Give me fuel. Take a fly. Sit me trace it out of sight. Now, here are your hosts, John Eddie Jr. and Tom Tuttle. Welcome back to Fantasy Fuel. For most of us, it's over. The year is done. But for some, the ones that we've talked about just a couple weeks ago, some of you are still playing in Week 17. And for that, I apologize to all fantasy owners. Anyone out there still playing in Week 17, uh, you got anything to say about that, Mr. Network? Thanks for being here with us in place of Tom Tuttle yet again. Uh, how's your week 17 going there, Network? Um, <laughs> I sent out a formal apology today <laughs> to the members of our primetime Amazon Prime Fantasy Football League because I made the mistake when I started the year of forcing them to play week 17. And if you guys are in a league like that, I would really suggest um, leave that league, get out of that league. <laughs> And I say this being a commissioner that has forced two players to play their championship. We're hearing about everybody who's not playing. Don't yeah. do this to yourself. Well, with that being said. The news around the National Football League. You mentioned there's some people not playing this week. One of those people we kind of thought wasn't going to play after they locked everything up. One being Patrick Mahomes. That is somebody that you would need in a fantasy championship performance if you had any uh, wants of winning some money. But, again, no Week 17 for him. Uh, Dalvin Cook will not be playing Week 17. Uh, His is a little different situation uh, his father passed away unexpectedly, so he's going to be home. The Vikings have nothing to play for, so I definitely uh, agree with his decision to go be with his family for any of those types of matters. So, But, again, we think about these things in fancy terms as well. He's not going to be playing. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's not going to play again, so guess what? Christian McCaffrey, the number one overall pick in almost every league this year, you know how many games he played in this this season network? Three. Three games. That's all you got out of the number one overall pick. The Panthers signed him to a record-setting four-year, $64 million extension last offseason, and you got three games out of him. That's not good. And, again, if you're playing in Week 17, not that you were uh, expecting Christian McCaffrey to play, but... One more guy that you don't have this week. Uh, Jared Goff underwent surgery and uh, is unlikely to play uh, Sunday versus Arizona. If he can't play, he could return to the playoffs, but it, it's um, the Rams are in some in some deep water right now if they're not going to have Jared Goff at quarterback. And, and at the end of the show, we'll talk about some of those playoff scenarios for everybody out there wondering who can still make the playoffs. Cause my Eagles are done and that is fine who's with the, me. <laughs> who's the Rams backup? Well, I know they tried to sign Blake Bortles off of somebody's practice squad again. 
I don't know if he would be the guy to play or if he would be the backup's backup, but that is a good question. I, I have not looked and see who it would be. Um, let me see if it says real quick. No, that was just a tweet. So, Oh, John Wolford. Yeah, I think I did hear that. John, um, his name Wolford. rings a bell for some reason, but I thought it would be Sean Manning, and I like that guy. Oh yeah, he had he had a couple good games back in the day, yeah. but apparently he is not there anymore. Uh, let's see. Guess who was named uh, NFC Offensive Player of the Week this last week? Do you have any idea who that could be? <laughs> was it Adrian Peterson? Uh no, not quite. It's uh, twenty twenty. Yeah, try. I know. Uh, most of you out there should already know Alvin Kamara just went off. And if you didn't have him, you better be praying you didn't go against him because he was pretty much, if you had him, you won your championship this last week. And, uh, another guy that if you had, who was named AFC offensive player of the week, if you had him and we told you to go out and get him this year, Stefan Diggs. Uh, alongside Josh Allen, he he kind of did some good for some people this last week. I know in your copycat Scott Fishbowl, Tom kind of went off. He had Allen and Diggs and Beasley, I think, all in that league, and that was enough to put him over the top to win the championship in that one. So congrats to Tom, even though he couldn't be yes. here tonight. Uh, let's see. And speaking of Cole Beasley... He had the most receiving yards from the slot this year, 948 yards from the slot. Number two on that list, C.D. Lamb with 834. Number three, Tyler he Boyd. Been number one if he didn't drop it. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, number three was Tyler Boyd with 738, and he could have had more had Joe Burrow not gone down. And number four on that list, Juju Smith-Schuster holds 670 yards, which is probably like, 90% of his output this year because he got very little yardage this year. Uh, but, yeah, Cole Beasley, he was he was a nice little pickup midseason. If you didn't have him or if he was just sitting on your bench, he, he helped a lot of us get to where we wanted to go in the playoffs. I got to talk about Miles Sanders. You know the Eagles have had a bad year. And part of it is because they wouldn't give the ball to Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders took over as RB1 week 11 last year. He's received 20 carries twice in 19 games. In those two games, he received, received 20 carries exactly, and he's tied for second among NFL running backs in yards per carry and has never gotten 21 carries in a game. Do you, do you know why the Eagles suck this year now? Because they have no yeah. idea what to do on offense. Because Miles Sanders is electric almost every time he touches the ball. I thought so too. Because when he went down, um, Scott was able to fill a role on fantasy teams for a couple of right. weeks, and it's just like, how is how is this happening and that ain't happening? You know. Yep. Another running back I've been showing love to for the last month, ever since Network questioned me about picking him up off of waivers. We're talking about David Montgomery. After week seven, there was a Roto World outlook after he had another bad game. They said, but the dude has the movement skills of a busted refrigerator and can't make defenders miss or break tackles. Relatively speaking, he's a terrible athlete at the position. Since that outlook, 
He's averaged 92.2 yards rushing per game, 27.5 receiving yards per game, a full touchdown per game, and 20 PPR fantasy points per game. I don't know if he was reading Roto World's outlook, but ever since that game, he has been on fire. So thank you, David Montgomery. I appreciate all you have done this year. You you made me look good over the last month, and I appreciate that. I don't know if you got to use him too much, but I'm sure Network appreciates his last month of usage. Um, but, you know, we couldn't all win the championship, even though we got a guy like that, you know, towards the end of the season. So... It is what it is. Back to the Eagles really quick. Uh, I told this to Network right before we started. Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson. One of my favorite wide receivers to ever put on a Philly uniform. He's the fourth leading receiver of the Eagles this year and has 14 catches. Now, that's just weird. That's bad. That's wrong. But on the bright side of things... Deshaun Jackson now has five career touchdowns of 80 yards or more. That ties him with Derek Alexander, Lance Allworth, Bob Hayes, and Jerry Rice for the most in NFL history. That's a pretty good group of people to uh, be associated with. So I still love watching Deshaun Jackson. He might have had that one catch last week, and that was it. But he still got it. He still got it. Back He's to Elf. Durable. He's never been really <sighs> a really durable guy. No, he and hasn't. You mentioned this about uh, uh, Sanders um, not getting the ball. What's going to happen next year with Travis Fogel? He was impressive. He was able to be a stat monster. Why does he keep getting shuffled back to the bottom of the deck? I, pretty much the same reason as I said earlier. We had no idea what we're doing on offense this year. If that whole offensive coaching staff don't get mixed up, I mean, I'm not even – I wouldn't even be mad if they just decided to part ways with Doug Peterson at this point because it seems like he is stuck in the ways of 2017. And you know, everybody out there knows that watches football with any kind of intensity knows you got to change it up from year to year. The same thing ain't going to work. We just saw Lamar Jackson take a big step back in fantasy production because guess what? It didn't work two years in a row. And it rarely does. We saw Michael Vick back in the day. He went off. Didn't work two years in a row. You got to change it up. We had some weapons to start the year. Miles Sanders said he was working to be an MVP of the league. And I believed him. And what little he touched the ball, he did look like he could be a guy like that. So let's just retool that entire offensive coaching staff something's not right there and i would like to see it uh yeah mixed up quite a bit next season let's go back to alvin kamara for just a second we all saw he had six touchdowns we all saw he could have had seven touchdowns did you know that he only played 60 percent of the offensive snaps That's insane. You score six touchdowns and I'm only out there less, just under two-thirds of the game? That's ridiculous. Also, he surpassed Todd Gurley for the most fantasy points by a running back in a fantasy championship week in the Super Bowl era. We all know Todd Gurley had his days, but Todd Gurley's time has come and gone Now Alvin Kamara is the new uh, top honcho during Fantasy Championship Week. And again, congrats to anybody who had him. 
I had yeah. no Kamara this year because I drafted seventh or later in every single draft this year. So I never even had a shot at him. Yes, I'm happy yeah. I got some Derrick Henry shares, but my goodness, I just wanted some of Alvin Kamara, and I didn't want to trade half my team to get him. So that's uh, that's about it. I dropped Todd Gurley in our Dynasty League uh, two weeks ago for A.J. Dillon. Why not? And the guy who picked him up, I don't even know if he played him. I would have to check. He won the league, but he only won by two points. I don't oh even my know if he goodness. played Gurley, but he picked him up right after I dropped him. I was like, good luck. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to the ship. I don't want him on my team next year. No. So I'll take A.J. Dillon in a heartbeat. Nope. Uh, a couple Thank of, you, whoever dropped him. Right. A <laughs> <laughs> couple more things before we uh, start talking about some of our surprises, some busts, and some uh, just – outright surprises of how well some of these players did this year. Uh, there's potential for snow Sunday in Buffalo. The Miami Dolphins are playing in Buffalo. And Tua has confirmed, yes, he has seen snow before. So just anybody out there <laughs> that were was worrying about Tua and the snow, he has seen it, he understands what it is, and he, he will be prepared for it, I think. <laughs> uh, the other piece is, of course, it hasn't even we haven't even let the season end yet and the rumor is Julio Jones is being discussed as a trade piece for this upcoming offseason now i know this is uh, really really early but where would you like to see Julio Jones land Raiders well what <laughs> <laughs> i don't know um uh, Julio Jones is such an amazing talent it has to be somewhere where he won't miss a beat. You know, you can't waste his his latter years somewhere on a losing team. He's going to probably demand a large paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to take up a large piece of the cap. So I don't know. That, I, don't, I don't. I can't see him playing in another uniform. No, I. I it will be weird seeing him anywhere else but Atlanta. He has been one of my favorite receivers over the years. And I'm trying to think of anybody who has decent, you know, pieces that they could trade for Julio, but yet still contend. And and one of the only teams, one of the only teams that I'm thinking has enough pieces that they could trade for Julio is the Miami Dolphins, but they're not there yet. Like, you need to know you're going to win in the next year or two to trade for Julio Jones. Not saying the Dolphins are bad, because they definitely surprised me this season with how well they played, especially on defense. And we've seen all those amazing defensive performances by teams regress the next year. So you can be almost guaranteed that the Dolphins will not be that kind of a fantasy defense next year. They're not going to score that many touchdowns. You never know, but my guess would be no. And if you're not going to score that many touchdowns, you got to score a lot of points on offense. So it would make sense if they thought Tua was the guy to go get a guy like Julio if they're going to let, you know, Devontae Parker or somebody else walk. I don't remember the contract situations for all those guys, but they aren't set at wide receiver. So they could possibly do it. Whether they will or not, I. It'll be a, a hot topic of conversation uh, for the next, what, six, eight months, whatever it is, until real football right. starts over again. 
they have to ask, do they want to accelerate the development of their team? They're young. They're, they don't have any cap issues. Do you want to accelerate um, that clock? Right. They do need some help um, with the wide receivers, and he would probably slide right in and make that offense run a lot smoother. But there's some other needs on that team, like offensive line. Sure. Got to, I hope they don't get short-minded, even though they didn't do extremely well last year. They, they showed signs last year, too. So it's a budding, budding team as a whole. Yeah, as a whole, I, I like the direction they're going in. Uh, but there's a lot of competition still in that NFC East, even though the Jets still suck and the Patriots took a step back. It seems like the Buffalo Bills kind of just took right over. And I see what you're saying. That's, yeah. that's my team. Don't pause. You yeah. to. <laughs> you got to yeah. get on it. Because uh, if, if the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen don't regress, they could take control of that division for the next five, six, seven years or longer if Josh Allen has a long career, you know, like Tom Brady did. Not saying he's Tom Brady, but they are my AFC team. That is who I am rooting for from here on out. As an Eagles fan who is hoping they lose one more game, I'm rooting for the Buffalo Bills for the rest of this playoff scenario. Yeah, the arm might be hot. You might want to. Make sure you you advance the development of your team while the Jets are who they are, while the right. Patriots are who they are. So, you know, it depends. Yep. Yeah, I get what you're saying. All right. Let's talk surprises. Let's talk some busts. We'll start off with the quarterback position. Just scrolling over the end-of-year points, and we're looking at the flag uh, uh, league statistics so they're not exactly the same as a a regular you know ppr league or anything like that so quarterbacks score a decent amount of points in this league but it's still got to be pretty close to what everybody else is used to any surprises that hit you right off the top like somebody in the top 10 that you didn't think was going to be there mine outside there's a shocker okay what's yours what's yours uh mine um as much as Kirk Cousins, I, I don't know if that was yep. going to be yours. He's then number eleven, so he yep. in a twelve-team team, he was a QB one this year. Now, granted, it's still a hundred and forty points off of Patrick Mahomes and a hundred points behind number four, but still, seeing him that close to a QB one or as a QB one was definitely shocking. And the shocking part about it really is that he was only 20 points behind Lamar Jackson in this league. And Lamar Jackson has got to be a shocker for most people to not be a top five quarterback with as much as he can do on the ground. Yeah, no. Like looking at that, like with what happened to McCaffrey and a lot of the first rounders, I can see a trend of people starting to go back to drafting quarterbacks in the first round. And in second round, it's already been happening, but I can see it happening even more, especially with the resurgence of what Allen's been, been able to do this year. So I'm the opposite. I zig when everybody else zag. I look at Kirk Cousins went undrafted, and I can wait to the yeah. last round and get a quarterback and still be okay. Yes, sir. You know, I ain't running with no Kirk Cousins, but I look at things and data differently than other people. Yep. And again, it wasn't as much as a a surprise to me as it was to some people because I did take advantage of it because up until this year, 
I may have had Aaron Rodgers once in my life as a quarterback because I never wanted to take him that high. But this year, I got him twice in two different leagues. In one of those leagues, I swear I got him in the 11th or 12th round, and he finishes as the number three overall quarterback. And if you can get that in the 12th round and you don't have to spend a, a third, fourth round pick for Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is probably a, a second round pick, third round pick at the worst. That is going to help you so much, so much. And then, of course, on the other side of things, Carson Wentz finishes as QB 21. And uh, is it, it's not like I had to take him with a high pick, and I didn't have him everywhere, but he wasn't horrible, horrible. But at the same time, you know, he got benched, so he couldn't even finish out the year for you. And uh, I'm sorry anybody who looked at my rankings and went with Carson Wentz as a higher-end QB1, but there's always next year. I fully believe that Carson Wentz will be back as the starter next year for the Eagles, but we can get to that in the offseason. There's one more quarterback I want to talk about who had such an up-and-down year, and he only played the first three games of the year and the last five games of the year. But he's looked better the last five games of the year, and that's Mitchell Trubisky. That was somebody you wanted to sneak onto your list. And it still remains to be seen if he'll actually be worth it if they finally just go with him. But he had a few good games. And for some reason, if you were a guy who streamed quarterbacks all year and made the championship, maybe you ended up with Mitch Trubisky. And he got you 30 points in this format. That's more than enough to at least keep you uh, close to winning in fantasy championship week. So Mitchell Trubisky is going to be one that I have my eye on for next year. Now, I believe he's going to be a free agent unless they tag him, and I would doubt that they would tag him because I think they yeah. did not pick up his fifth-year option. They passed they up passed. on the tag, right? Yeah, yeah. they passed so they on that. they got to pay him if they want to keep him. Exactly. And who else is going to want to pay him? I know he's not going to command you know $35 million a year or anything, but – he looked okay the last few weeks. The Bears are in a shot, and we'll talk about it at the end of the show. They are in a win-and-in shot. If he can beat yeah. the Packers, the Bears make the playoffs. Now you got to be like, though. they have to keep it's, him if that happens, yeah. don't they? They have to. It's gonna <laughs> Not picking up that franchise tag is going to cost them so much money. What do we draft another one? What do we let them walk away? Right. Somebody's going to pay them more than a franchise. Uh, I mean, that that fifth year option tender. So he's going to make more than that. I wouldn't even accept less than that to come back to the Bears. Like, that's, we start in there, bro. Right. <laughs> and it's only going up. But I, I have a stuck in a position a couple of weeks ago where in the Dynasty League, I had Drew Locke and Matt Trubisky. I mean, Trubisky. And I needed to cut one of them. I, I cut Locke. Yeah. I would have too. I I do not like where Drew Locke is headed. He's only had three games this year above 20 points in this format. That's not something you can keep at the QB position and be successful. Meanwhile, we, uh, me and Tom both, again, will apologize for hoping that Sam Darnold was going to be something this year. We just, we thought there was going to be a progression There was not. Whether or not that was entirely his fault is something we could debate for months, 
and we probably will because guess what? The Jets are dumb enough to win another game and take themselves completely out of contention for the number one overall pick. So no Trevor Lawrence. And do they stick with Sam Darnold at quarterback? Do they look elsewhere? But Sam Darnold, overall, let's see how many play- games he played. Let me click on him. He played in one, two, three, four, five ish six seven eight nine ten games sam darnold played in 11 but i think he got pulled or only came in for a minute or something of one game so 10 games and uh he scored let's see 13 points less than dak prescott did and dak prescott went down week five (laughs) is that not one of the saddest things you've ever seen because dak prescott if he would have held his pace And this is with only a half a game where he got hurt. He averaged 36 points per game, which was more than everybody in the league. That was going to be one heck of an offensive performance for Dak Prescott all year long. The Cowboys still might have been a barely 500 team with that crappy defense that they've got. Right. But. Again, they would have made the playoffs. There's, they would have made the playoffs, no doubt, with Dak Prescott at quarterback. There would be no doubt in my mind. Um, so before we move on, is there anybody else you want to uh, give a a quick glance at for the quarterback position? Um, with with the Jets and Sam Darnold, they're in a tough, a really tough position because they're going to have to draft somebody. They, you got mine on one year. You sucked the next year, but Adam Gase, mm. how much does this lie and responsibility lie on that? I do. I think he's telling it. I do. I don't. I don't know what's going on. What the problem is, but the offensive line didn't make a a jump. Um, uh, Makai Beckman was that there? Makai Beckton. Line? Yep. Yeah, he is good. He's a big dude. He is good. So maybe just kind of stick it out and see. I don't see them moving on either. They can't. <laughs> There's. Do you have any trust in the second best quarterback in the Trevor Lawrence draft? Like, does it really matter after Trevor Lawrence? Well, do you take a guy that might not be anywhere close at the number two overall pick when you could draft maybe the best offensive lineman in the draft and keep them? Because that could be a ten-year guy in your team. So is Fields the the second guy coming off the board? The Ohio State quarterback? I think so. I haven't looked 100% yet because college football was a little weird this year. So that's going to be a topic of conversation for the next few months as well. But, yeah. If it's him, no, because Ohio State quarterbacks have not fared well as of recent. Speaking of Ohio State quarterbacks. Good one. I was waiting to get into that somehow, some way. Good transition there. Dwayne. Haskins, what in the hell? I've got something. Where did it? Okay. Washington football team quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. His captainship was taken away following his COVID-19 violation that included being photographed at a strip club without a mask. His teammates had voted him in captain. That was just part of the internal punishment before the inevitable happened. And I was told, uh, or I I read somewhere that he wasn't even showing up for post-game interview. Like the starting quarterback is uh, supposed to be there for a post-game interview. And he was nowhere to be seen. Like 
he must have known already that he was going to get just canned or something because they couldn't they couldn't find him. So guess what? Dwayne Haskins done gone. No longer a member of the Washington Football Team. He has already cleared waivers. So nobody picked him up to give him the last uh, couple million dollars for the next two years. So now anybody can sign him. And I've I've also heard rumors there's already people interested. What that kind of a contract would entail, I don't know. But welcome to Josh Rosen 2.0 is all I got to say. Right. Gruden finna be knocking on that door. And <laughs> so the the reason why they cut him is because he skipped a post-game interview? I didn't ever get well, to the bottom of what I, happened after what happened. I think that was just... Um, he already knew because he he was just a train wreck and completely just was garbage in that last game. And if he couldn't just keep it together as a starting quarterback in the National Football League and lead by example, he was never going to. And I think I said last week when uh, Tom was back on that Ryan Leaf himself said that Dwayne Haskins reminded him of himself and right. that's not good. Maybe it was a couple of weeks right. ago. Right. We might, I think we might have been talking about Ryan Leaf. So yeah. if he's seen the similarities there, there, there was pretty much no hope for Dwayne Haskins. And it, it's almost like a Josh Rosen slash Janie, Johnny Manziel uh, rolled yeah. into one. Like, couldn't do it on the field and was just a complete, you know, screw up off yeah. the field. Who knows? It, it's so well, weird. A, a lot of people don't realize and, and just – over my years, I've noticed for these young men, their egos is like a fat stick of dynamite. Oh, huge. Right? Right? It's like a seesaw. They have battles within themselves, and then and, and they come, ag- come against a hurdle, and it won't be like, I always think I think of somebody that made it from the practice squad all the way to a pro bowler. But they go into their little shell, and they self-destruct. Yep. It, and I think that's what happened. It, it has to be. I mean... We can hope that he can get himself back together again because I I don't ever want to see anybody like this, you know, completely go off the rails. Yeah, I'm rooting against the team as an Eagles fan, but I don't wish any ill will towards anybody out there. I want everybody to make the good decisions in life and, and take the right path and, you know, do what's best for themselves, the team, the community, whatever. It's it's so nice to see that and when it doesn't happen, you're just wondering and we'll never know a hundred percent why he did the things that he did. Was it just too much? Uh, you know, I know when there's so many things that need to be done just in my personal life, sometimes you're just like, I have 10 things to tackle and uh, I don't do any of them. I just go into a shell and be like, well, It'll still be there tomorrow too, so uh, I'm taking tonight <laughs> <Right>. off. <laughs> so maybe yeah. that's what Dwayne Haskins is overrated. Oh yeah, for sure, way for overrated. Sure. And hopefully, like you said, he gets he gets together and you love this game, and this game don't love you, and it works vice versa. So hey, the the, the writing's on the wall. If anything is to be done, he's going to be responsible for it, pretty yep. much. All right, now we can move on to running backs and. Uh, not a lot of surprises, I don't think, really, at running back. Maybe where they were. And, you know, of course, guys got injured. Christian McCaffrey, we already said, only played three games this year. Uh, then there were guys like Saquon Barkley, who uh, I don't even think he got a full game in, did he? Um, 
And then Zeke, who was on just a terrible offense after Dak Prescott got hurt. So, you know, other than those three guys just not having a normal season, you got guys up until this last week, Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook, the other two running backs that were pretty much always a first-rounder, they were neck and neck. Well, um, Alvin Kamara took care of that this last week by scoring 60 points in the format that we're looking at. And Dalvin Cook only scored 17, and that is pretty much the difference between them right now. It, he is 43, or is it 33 points? So actually, Dalvin Cook may have been ahead after last week, but Alvin Kamara uh, blew that one out of the water, and Dalvin Cook's not going to play this week. So Alvin Kamara will be the number one overall scoring running back in fantasy football this year. And then, of course, Derrick Henry, no real surprise being at number three. The first surprise, James Robinson. If you got him at the beginning of the year, and I saw all of it. I mean, it was three or four different running backs for the Jaguars. After they cut Leonard Fournette, you're like, oh, is it Divino Zigbo? Is it, uh, I can't even Rockwell remember the other. Armstead. Yes, Rykel Armstead. And I think there was one other guy that people were uh, talking up. And then at the very last second, like, oh, there's this rookie James Robinson. And I was like, man, if you're going to throw another running back in the midst, I'm not even going to look at any of them. But I did pause, and I was like, oh, should I? Should I go out there and get that one guy? I'm like, man, I already have all these guys. I don't need to worry about it. I wish I would have worried about it because James Robinson was a savior for some people. Uh, at a, is he playing this week? No, I don't believe nope, yep. he is. So I don't think he is. He is going to stay right there where he is, uh, I believe, about 20 points per game, which is right around uh, Aaron Jones' numbers. And Aaron Jones was almost a disappointment because you had to take him in the second round. I mean, he ended up as the number six overall running back in this format, but it still feels like it wasn't enough. And sandwiched in between those two, we already gave you some stats. But now that I'm looking at him, the number five overall running back in this format, he only had two bad weeks. Two bad weeks, really, all year. David Montgomery, he was very consistent, wasn't great, and I believe I was taking him in like the fifth, sixth round, somewhere in there. So as a fifth, sixth round running back pick, I am more than happy to get what I got of him, especially during you know the fantasy playoff run. Yeah. Who else? Uh, he was a solid pickup. Mike Davis, and he comes from Chicago. Trey's teams, McCaffrey goes down. Nobody could have known it. I always thought he was good at breaking tackles, but he seemed like he recreated his game, and he's not going to be somebody anybody's going to draft next year. Yeah, that that's so weird. I mean, he was he he was a guy that I was I was talking about a couple of years ago. He, he yep, was one guy I really I really loved, and he just didn't get a chance in Chicago. And he ends up as a backup to the best running back in fantasy football. So you're thinking, oh, okay, well, no more love there. Well, he ended up being just fine. What did he end up? A number 11 overall. Yeah, he had a couple of bad weeks in there. But back into the fantasy playoffs, he started scoring a respectable amount of points again. And if you had him in the semifinals, he got you 28 points in this format. Perfect. 
the guy right behind him. Might not have done it how I thought he was going to do it, but Niam Hines ended up the season fairly decent. Number 12 overall in this format. Now, this might have, I don't know if he did a lot, but he did have some kick and punt return yards maybe here and there, which would have put him uh, a little higher. But he averaged, what is his average here? 15 points a game in PPR. You can't really be sad about that. And during the fantasy playoffs, he was averaging about 15 points a game. So you kind of knew what you were going to get out of Niam Hines. I said he was going to catch 80 balls. He only caught 58. So I was off a little bit there. But that's only because, oh, guess what? A few slots higher than him, Jonathan Taylor ended up number seven overall in this format, and he had 35 catches, and he had 916 yards and nine touchdowns. So when Marlon Mack got hurt, I thought we had fantasy gold. And it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't fool's gold either. So I'm okay with Niam Hines. Um, He's probably going to be the next... Tariq Cohen is in terms of fantasy football where people are going to draft him in the fifth or sixth round next year. And I don't know that he is going to be worth quite that high of a pick. Uh, what are your thoughts on Niam Hines? He's one of those guys that is not uberly sexy. He'll give you those big weeks. And I picked him up in the dynasty league and I'm battling with myself. If I want to <laughs> drop him for somebody more sexier. And I'm just storing up on running backs. You can't you, – you need your flex running backs in this game. Somebody yes. that's going to give you exactly what you know you're going to get out of them. So I can see him getting drafted, not performing well early, and getting dropped. So that means I don't necessarily have to draft him. I need to be aware when he's dropped and pick him up around playoff times or in need. Like he's, he's not going to stick on a roster just because, like you said, they – they split it up. It's probably going to lean more Taylor next year. What's going to happen with Marlon Mack? It's still muck, mucky over oh, there. Oh, and we'll probably go over this a little more in-depth when we go through our rankings when all three of us can get together again. But I'm just looking at all of these running backs, and they're all muddled up because, okay, well, this guy scored more total points, but four slots lower – had a guy that had a higher average, but because he missed a few games, whether it was COVID-related or injury-related, like everybody is just kind of all in the same thing. You look at number 23. Number 23 running back overall averaged 16.5 points a game. Now you go up into that top 10, Jonathan Taylor scored 17.9. That's not too far off. Number 23. Mm -hmm. Miles Sanders, again, didn't have enough touches, missed a couple of games, but still averaged really good when he was on the field. And right below him, DeAndre Swift, again, 15.9 points per game, missed a few games, had a couple of crappy games, and had two other running backs to deal with half the time. There's so many guys. Go down the list, three more spots. David Johnson, who missed four games plus. Still averaged 16.3 points per game. What's he going to be? Austin Eckler missed the very middle of the season. Averaged 18.7 points per game. Where are you going to draft him next year? Miles Gaskin, number 31. 
Averaged 18 and a half points per game, but missed five games. So <laughs> yeah. what are we going to do about all these guys next year? Uh, I don't, we're going to have to see how the the cookie crumbles because Aaron Jones is a free agent. Um, did is Zeke wearing out his welcome in <sighs> Dallas? You know, there's going to be some pieces that are going to move around that might surprise us. And we can't move on until we talk about the number 19 overall running back because we talked about it before the season ever started. And he was drafted in the first round in so many leagues. And we told y'all not to do it. And he came out week one and was like, yeah, see, we're fine. Week two, oh, I can do both things. No, no. He only had like one really okay, good game after that. Talking about CEH, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Average 15.6 points per game. You're not drafting him in the first round to get 15 points per game. You draft a running back in round one to get you 20-plus points per game in a PPR format. He didn't do that, but the thing is, Le'Veon Bell sure as hell didn't like do anything to make us think, oh, well, Clyde Edwards is going to have to play a lot better to keep his job next year. They'll sign Le'Veon Bell again. No, they won't. Ain't nobody signing yeah, Le'Veon no, no, no. Bell again. <laughs> Let's not forget there's almost a Super Bowl MVP running back on that team. Mm. He, the Super Bowl. he and should I have been. To go sneak. He's on waivers in my dynasty league. Ooh. And the app itself locked waivers after they discarded because I was trying to pick him up oh, last no. minute and I waited too long. I was like, so you Clyde Edwards Hilaire, especially in Dynasty, what do you think is going to happen with Williams? Almost Super Bowl MVP. Almost Super Bowl MVP. Uh, I mean, I had him. I picked him up in the flag league because I didn't have a lot of options at running back, and he could have helped me make the playoffs. I was one game off of making the playoffs in that league, and I wish I would have had him around because he was pretty good for double-digit points per game, even in a timeshare, and I think he'll be a good complement to CEH next year. Way better than Le'Veon Bell was this year. And he already knows Andy Reid's system. He knows that offense because their offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy might not be there next year. He might find true, a head coaching true. job somewhere. So that he offense could it. change. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I The first time I heard Eric Bieniemy's name uh, used as a coach, uh, it, it shocked me. I was like, oh, my goodness. I remember Eric Bieniemy from... What San early nineties? Yeah, Dame. the Chargers and Notre Dame is yep, very prominent. He I want to say him and Tim Brown played on the same Notre Dame team, or that Rocket Ishmael, but that yes, team was, that the enemy played on, yeah, was at Notre Dame stacked. Yes, it remember was. That. Oh, so right. you have to think though about that backfield. Think about when it was Shady McCoy, uh, Daryl Williams, and it was another running back. Remember how that went every week? It it depended. Well. Shady McCoy wasn't doing well, but he no. mucked it up just a little. Just a little. Just, just enough. So think CEH, Williams, um, there's going to be somebody on the mix, and that's kind of how Andy Reid ain't giving it all to one person. He showed you out that by going to get Le'Veon Bell. Right. Uh, one thing that we will talk about <laughs> again uh, in the offseason because – we all know that an Andy Reid running back can be amazing. We've seen it in Philadelphia with Brian Westbrook and Shady McCoy. 
That's why he went and got shady. He already knew that he'd be able to learn that offense, but he wasn't as good as shady used to be. So it was probably just a, well, shady's 30. You know, that magic number with running backs, age 30, yep. except for, you know, the ageless ones like Frank Gore and whatnot. But he, yep. I uh, couldn't think of his name. Damon Williams. Damon Williams. You're rested. Yes. You're rested. You're rested. And as long mm-hmm. as he was uh, keeping up with his training and, you know, working out and he still got it, I think, I think he'll be okay next year. And he's somebody that you'll probably get late because everybody's still going to take CEH next year. We'll, we'll keep you posted. Uh, there is a couple more running backs I want to talk about real quick before we move on to wide receivers. Just, again, the overall view of the running backs that I'm just looking at. I see so many open spots in these weeks that I'm looking at. Blanks for the missed weeks. Guys like Chris Carson, he missed a few weeks. Still averaged 18 points but finished as running back 21. And you got guys like Tony Pollard, who didn't miss a week, but was Zeke's backup. But they were so bad that it didn't matter who was touching the ball in Dallas. He actually averaged 13.5 points a game. Again, he could have had some return yards in this particular league to bump him up a little bit. And then you got other second-round picks like Kenyon Drake, who just wasn't as good as he was billed to be when he did so amazing in the fantasy playoffs last year. And then you got Antonio Gibson, finished as overall 15th running back, missed the last basically three weeks, and, and or not last week, but three weeks prior. He had some really good weeks. He had a really good run, and he was very solid all year long. But now there's injury concerns going into the offseason. And the guy that we all thought would finish at least in the top 10, Nick Chubb, he missed four and a half weeks. But he was very, very good every week he did play after that. So Nick Chubb is one that maybe he'll slide just a little bit next year because he didn't stay healthy all year in 2020. Antonio Gibson ain't going to make it out the third round next year. Probably not, um, especially if Washington makes the playoffs and they have an actual starting quarterback going into next year. Um Alex Smith hasn't been able to stay healthy 100%. Uh, Dwayne Haskins obviously gone, and um, I don't think there's anybody else we really need to talk about <laughs> as far as quarterbacks. Will they draft a quarterback going into next year? I think it would be a good thing, but they're not going to be able to get one of the good ones, so it'll have to be a a, a project kind of guy maybe. But right. And then last but not least, we got to talk about Josh Jacobs. Because he was the number nine overall pick, but he was going sometimes at the tail end of round one, definitely in round two. He did not make it out of round two. And he just wasn't quite what we wanted him to be because he started off with a 40-point game. And everybody's like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Running back in the second round, Josh Jacobs, well... Since then, he only scored 200 points total in fantasy, missed a week and a part of one, and he doesn't give a crap about your fantasy team. Talking about on his Instagram, I'm not playing this week. And then guess what? Goes out there and plays and gets like 20 points or something. I don't remember what it was, but 
where's he going to go next year? He's, he'll still be a second-round pick? He'll drop. I think they're going to break up that offensive line. I don't know what's Richie Incognito's status going to next season. And he only averaged something like 3.8 yards to carry. His yards per carry is atrocious. They mm-hmm. do feed him the ball a lot. That offense is enigmant, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better anytime soon. It might actually get worse. I mean, the offense isn't bad. The defense is so bad, it makes <laughs> yeah. the offense bad. Yes, it does. Now I was going to look at something here, and now it won't load back for me. Can I just? Okay, of course. Go back. Offense on the field the whole game. <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> the other defenses give up points like water. All right, let's move on to the wide receivers for fantasy this year. And even while missing... Basically, three full games. Devontae Adams had the most points, not just the best average, the most points by a wide receiver. Now, I'm not surprised that he's the number one overall pick, but I'm surprised that it could have been by a mile if he would have played every game this year because he averaged 27 points per game in this format, which is five more than Tyreek Hill, who was number two overall. And Tyreek, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I I have a hard time taking him in the first round of fantasy drafts because he's he's a guy that just is, is speed-oriented, and he doesn't get a lot of catches. This year, he had 87 catches. That's a lot for a guy of his play style, and he had 135 targets. So... That stigma for me has now gone away. He's not just that guy who's going to get 90 targets, 60 to 65 catches, still go over 1,000 yards, and could have a good number of touchdowns, obviously, because Patrick Mahomes can sling it. But he had 15 touchdowns this year. Only one, two, three, four weeks did Tyreek Hill not score a touchdown. And that is huge, especially when some of those weeks he'd only have three catches and get that touchdown still, and that's why he's number two overall. But number three overall, even I didn't think he'd be number three overall, but my boy, Stephon Diggs, going from Minnesota to Buffalo, going from that guy that you didn't know if he was going to go off or get held in check, guess what? I don't think he ever got held in check this year. Stephon Diggs averaged 21 points per game, and he was solid every week, and he was even bigger in the fantasy playoffs. So, Stefan Diggs, as much as I wanted you in every league and I got you everywhere I could, you still surprised me even then because he has 120 catches going into week 17 on 158 targets. I thought these were going to be Adam Thielen numbers because Stefan Diggs wasn't there anymore. Yeah. Holy crap. He's a first rounder for you next year. Oh man, I we we'll talk about that later. We'll we'll, we'll talk we'll... about that one later. <laughs> I would think right now because of the way fantasy is, and, and you can't expect him to do this every year because he hasn't only done it this one year. He's definitely a guy. If I have a late pick, like I always seem to get, he'll be towards the top of my list in the top of the second round to try and go after him. But we'll get there. Um, out of the top 10, is there anybody there 
that has really surprised you? Um, just not looking at a list. I'm glad Juju was able to show us that he was talented because I was ready to write him off. Right. Um, we got the trends from like Seattle, Metcalf and Lockett, sure. Jones versus Man. Um, surprising. There's nobody that jumps out to me initially because I want to say Corey Davis, but he fizzled out. He did a little I bit. I want to yeah. say um, Keenan Cole was a blessing, but he fizzled out. I don't know why I kept him on my roster <laughs> for so long. Um, but off the top of my head, there's nobody in particular um, that is is very surprising. Uh, the one for me, and, and I kind of talked about it before, and we'll go a little deeper. Uh, stat-based-wise in the offseason when we break down some of these guys was Justin Jefferson. He uh, he obviously had a ton of points, but again, you're looking week by week. It's 4, 7, 31, 15, 7, 40, 5, 9, 22, 18, 27, 25, 10, 19, 15. He was all over the place. A lot of really good games, a lot of really bad games, and then just kind of... Never a consistent number. He averaged 17 points per game, but he never got 17 points in a game. It was right. way lower or way higher, and but nowhere right around that mean. Yeah. Two places. I know I talked bad about him <laughs> in the preseason because he was running with the second team. I was all over IBC Johnson. Yeah. And it was just like all the reporters in Minnesota were saying, it's taking him a minute to catch on. He's running with the second team. He's not comfortable yet. I was like, uh-oh, those are, are red flags for me. It was. We weren't giving a preseason. We weren't giving enough of anything that looked like something normal so we can make – that determination for ourselves. 100%. I learned about that because I, I I will not draft him. Everything I hear about <laughs> him is negative. Not attitude, just performance-wise. He's not picking up the play up. He's running with the second quarterback. I'm like, oh, no, bro. It's going to take you a year. You mm-hmm. want an M. No, and he's special. Again, that's why I thought, and he was still good, but that's why I thought Adam Thielen would have been higher on this list. I had him as a top five uh, wide receiver before the year started, and he finished at number 10 even though – he missed a full game uh, due to COVID stuff, and he had a couple of bad games. And Kirk Cousins wasn't exactly uh, an every-week quarterback that you could count on, even though he did finish as a QB1. But Adam Thielen did not have the amount of targets that I was hoping he was going to have. He had a less targets than Justin Jefferson did. And that would have – I never would have guessed that would have happened going into this season. And – Maybe that's because Minnesota wasn't as good as they wanted to be and they were launching the ball. And Justin Jefferson is more of a long ball guy than Adam Thielen is. So there could be a few things uh, in play that made that happen. And Thielen is going to be in value next year. He's going to drop. Yeah, he will be a good value, I think, next year again. But let's see, how many years has he been in the league now? He has been in the league... Seven years, so he's not, you know, out of his prime quite yet. But and I don't think he started off playing. No, no, like he, he didn't. Yeah, right. Uh, and if Tom were here, he would brag a little bit about the number five overall wide receiver. He has been all about DK Metcalf, and yes, DK has been amazing. But again, because of what we've seen between him and Tyler Lockett, One's good against zone, one's good at man-in-man, and 
he kind of was really good or kind of in the shadows over there because he had a five and an eight and a nine point game. If you had him in your fantasy championship, he got you less than 10 points. That's not what you were hoping for in the fantasy championship. So as awesome as DK Metcalf has looked, I mean, I've got to, if you're looking on Twitch every once in a while, you'll see it scroll by. I've got the gif of him chasing down the wide receiver after that interception. So he is a freak of nature, but again, is he consistent enough? to end up being one of those guys that you take in the second round next year. I hope not. I, I, I can't see taking him that early, but you know, he's not going to make it out of the third round. Yeah. And last one I'll talk about is the number six overall wide receiver. Cause he did you real, real well in the fantasy championship. If you had him and that's Calvin Ridley, even though he had kind of an up and down year, he started off with, what, like four touchdowns in the first two weeks? Yeah, nine for 130 and two, seven for 109 and two. You're like, oh, no, Matt Ryan is going to have a heck of a year. And then Julio just wasn't Julio this year, unfortunately. And I think Calvin Ridley benefited from Julio not being on the field. Yeah. The Falcons And are- when him being on, because he looks different when Julio is on and off the field as well. He does, and that is something we will, do, obviously. we will dig <laughs> way deeper when the offseason hits. All right, let's go one more position before we talk about playoff scenarios because those are going to be some fun ones to talk about because there are so many scenarios. But before we get there, we got to talk about the tight end position, which, of course, is not loading for me for some reason. So uh, let's see if I can bring that up in a different way. Or is it just my fantasy league? No? Okay, there's going. Top performers, come on, let me see them. Why is one going and the other not? Okay, now we're up. Obviously, the top two tight ends we don't even need to talk about. Travis Kelsey set records this year. So if he wasn't the first tight end off the board, your league was doing it wrong. But... I'll apologize to network. Darren Waller was a lot better than I thought he was going to be after only scoring three touchdowns last year. I thought it was going to be one of those. Well, if he can't score the touchdowns then he's not going to be that great, but we he, agreed on that. So don't apologize. <laughs> we said the same thing. His targets was going to come down. He doesn't score a touchdown. So we, I'll, I'll take a hit on that one too. I didn't think he will have the, the type of year that he had this year. Now, That is a a good topic of conversation, too, for later on, because did he inherit a whole bunch of targets because those other wide receivers were either hurt or not playing up to their expectations? You know, uh, we started off with, um, what's his name that got hurt? Um, Tyrell Williams. Tyrell Williams, who was great in his first year when he was the number one guy. And then Brian Edwards was absolute garbage. Uh, I don't know what happened Henry to him. Ruggs. Henry Ruggs. Pro is, is is situational good receiver, but not really good for fantasy. You know, um, the same exact thing, the perfect storm happened twice for Waller. Pretty yeah. much what happened on the offensive side as far as uh, skilled personnel, he was pretty much regurgitated this year. And then Derek Carr, David, Derek, I always say it wrong, um, always gets tunnel vision on him. He, he, he'll he stare him down and he'll pepper him with 15 targets. Yep. Will that continue if the offense gets more diverse? 
We don't know. We do not know. But now we'll look at the rest of the top ten here. There's only like two, maybe three guys on there that we expected to be in the top ten. But number three overall. Do you see who number three overall is in this format? That is insane. And we kind of talked about it because we knew Alex Smith liked his tight end, but then Alex Smith got hurt. But the the team itself still kind of looked at the tight end. Logan Thomas, number three overall, because he ended up with 104 targets on the year. I... How did that happen? We just, like, missed it. Because he wasn't amazing in the first half of the year. But from week 12 on, he was probably, uh, yeah, a top three tight end. I mean, he was consistently right behind Kelsey and Darren Waller. So next year, is Logan Thomas somebody that we're going to have to look at drafting higher than uh, some guys like Evan Ingram? Guys like... Hunter Henry, are, are, are we really going to do that? He's been in the league a while, and this is his first, like, major year. So yeah. what do you think about Logan Thomas? Former quarterback, highly intelligent, knows how to sit down in zones, athletic. I think um, Alex Smith helped his production, and the pass catches there were having us such a hard time staying healthy other than yeah. Terry McLaurin. Um, hopefully he becomes more of a focal point. It seemed like... Um, He's going to be the new, you know what, Greg Olson. Greg Olson. That very well could be. And towards the end of Greg Olson's career, he wasn't exactly instilling confidence that he was going to be out there every week. I don't know what Logan Thomas's injury history is because I'm guessing he didn't get used a lot up until this year. So I, if somebody wants to take him, as high as the third overall tight end, more power to you. I'm not going to do that. Um, after him is TJ Hawkinson. That is a guy that I was hoping was going to be last season's little darling. So he was pretty consistent, and he didn't miss any games. He had a couple of games he disappeared in, um, but he did have 98 targets on the year. So that, that's really all you can ask for uh, out of a tight end position, especially in the year that was 2020. And, of course, you got Robert Tanyan, who burst onto the scene. He only had 57 targets, but you know what? He caught 50 of those 57 targets, and every five catches he had a touchdown. And he had a touchdown in one, two, three, four, five straight weeks from week 11 Week 15, he had five touchdowns, one in every single game. And that's where most of his points came from. He had 60 points just in touchdowns, and he had 165 overall. And that's not a very good um, uh, percentage of fantasy points that you want when it comes to uh, a weekly production. Uh, the one guy that we thought would be a top three was Mark Andrews and he still missed a couple weeks, but still ended up, uh, what? Six overall, I believe. Yeah. Six overall. So if you drafted him, you got okay production out of him, but you probably had to spend a decent amount of draft capital to get him as high as he was. 
And you got guys like Mike Kosicki, who kind of came and gone. He, he was pretty much like the Julio Jones of tight ends. He either did really good or really bad. There was no in-between for Mike Kosicki. Uh, then the one guy that I was drafting probably fifth overall tight ends was Hunter Henry. He was at least consistent enough, and he had a decent uh, week 15 if you had him in the semifinals. And then, of course, he went on the COVID list and missed a game if you were in the championship, which would have really sucked. And we got a couple more guys we'll talk about because we got to talk about Hayden Hurst. He did good in the semifinals and the finals. Must we? (laughs) We have to because we're going to talk about him again next year. But... He was kind of hit or miss, except, again, like I said, if you had him in the semifinals and the championship, he got you 12 and 16 points. And if you didn't have one of the big guys, you were more than happy with 12 and 16 points. And you talked about this guy's quarterback earlier, how you had to make a decision whether to drop Drew Locke or Mitchell Trubisky. You dropped Drew Locke, and that is a reason why Noah Fant is number 14 at the tight end position because – there was been just there's been a few games where Noah Fancy like ooh here we go this guy has got the athleticism he's got the skills to be an amazing tight end in this league but then Drew Locke disappears and that whole offense sputters and I don't know how he's going to be in a full time role if Drew Locke is going to be the quarterback there and then of course we got to talk Philadelphia tight ends. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Are we going to mention anything about Hunter Bryant? Do you have any interest next year, interest in Hunter Bryant from Cleveland before we go to the Philadelphia? Um, not really. Uh, they, they threw a lot to their tight ends in Cleveland, but they have like three of them. They, you know, Bryant and Joku and Austin Hooper are all there. That's a, it's a weird thing to think about tight end by committee, but, that's pretty much what they are. Austin Hooper was 21, and he was the one that played most of the time this year. And he did good in the semifinals and the finals too. So if you ended up having to play him, you were happy. But I I don't like anything coming out of Cleveland. They still have a chance to miss the playoffs, and I will laugh so hard. And we'll get to that in just a minute. But those Philadelphia tight ends, neither one of us were right network. <laughs> neither one of us. Dallas Goddard was the better of the two, but even that was not anywhere near what we wanted him to be. Yeah, I I, I just I just like to say I, I thought Goddard would finish higher than Ertz. <laughs> you were right, and uh, and whether that was seventeenth overall or thirty first overall, it sucked no matter how you put it. But yeah, I mean Richard Rodgers was only three spots away from Zach Ertz this yeah. year, so it sucked towards the playoffs. I think uh, Ertz availability became available, and I had Goddard. I was like, no, no, don't you start, <laughs> right? don't you start taking any chance of any points away from Goddard. Go back to where you was. <laughs> the one tight end going into next year that I hope falls because of his performance this year, and it wasn't due to him being bad. It was due to his team being bad and him being injured is the 20th overall, although he probably averaged, yes, just below what Darren Waller averaged is George Kittle. 
That guy being injured this year is somebody you might be able to get at a slight discount going into next year. He maybe will be in that fifth, sixth round area where he would be a third round pick. I think so because he's trying to get a, a nice ticket list of injuries over the years. Yeah, is he is injury prone. He gets banged up quite a bit. Well, what I have seen from George Kittle is he is a true 100% like jock guy where it's just all or nothing with him. And he is going to ram his head into a wall. Like, uh, who was it all those years ago? The quarterback scored a touchdown and then head butted the wall. Like he's one of those guys that's going to get injured doing something stupid or, you know, just play when he maybe shouldn't play. And we might have to start worrying about his availability throughout the year. So, yeah. I'll take the chance on him next year if I can get him a little bit later, but more than likely, hey, I won't. That happens when you're the only wide receiver on your team. Yeah, this is very, very <laughs> true. Although they do have some athletic guys, but they don't have like that true like wide receiver one type of guy when you got a guy like Debo and Ayuk. Uh, although it might be different if they had a real quarterback too. Uh, they need to do something. Um, but anyway... That was a good good segue into what we'll talk about, scenarios for the playoffs this year. We've got so much that we're going to talk about in the offseason. Um, but these scenarios are so interesting. Right now, the easiest ones are, of course, any win and in situations. If the Baltimore Ravens win, they're in. And... At the beginning of the year, we thought maybe they'd be one of those uh, teams playing for a number one or two seed, but now they're fighting for their playoff lives. They can also get in with a Browns loss or a Colts loss or a Ravens tie and a Dolphins loss, and there's so many more, but more than likely it's either going to be the Browns or Colts lose and they're fine or they win and they're fine. Browns, they can win and they're in. Or... Colts loss. And then there is a giant scenario of other things. Titans loss and Dolphins winner tie and Ravens winner tie or a Browns tie and a Ravens loss and a Browns tie and a Dolphins loss and a Browns tie and a Titans loss. Browns tie and a Colts loss. Are the Browns going to tie? Probably not. So it's going to be up to them to win or the Colts lose and they will clinch a playoff berth for the first time in how many years? I, I can't even remember right. the last time. So Cleveland's playing Pittsburgh, right? Uh, yes, they are versus the and Steelers. If Cleveland beats Pittsburgh and Baltimore loses, Cleveland and Baltimore out, and Pittsburgh is not playing Big Ben. So that seems part they. I, I don't think you're going to give away a win, but if you get to put out the bigger challenge and you let somebody, a lesser team in that's strategy. It is a strategy. I don't know if that's on purpose or not, but it seems to be working in that kind of a favor. Uh, let's see. Who would see. you rather play in the playoffs? The Ravens or the Browns? Oof. Man, that that's a good question this year. Cause it's not like the Ravens are that powerhouse team anymore. And it's not like the Browns are running on all cylinders because there's no OBJ. And then, of course, Jarvis Landry missed a game for the first time in his career because of the COVID stuff this last week. 
And that I've been waiting for something like that to happen. Like normally he would never miss a game. Now he was forced to, even though he was probably ready to. But to answer your question, right now, I think I'd still rather play Cleveland just because they're not as experienced as, you know, Lamar Jackson was going into the playoffs last year. And Lamar could just go off at any given moment. Baker Mayfield, eh, he's still not that great of a quarterback in my opinion. So I guess I'd have to go with the Browns over the Ravens in that instance. Uh, Then we got the Colts who uh, Indianapolis clinches the AFC South division title with a Colts win and a Titans loss or tie or a Colts tie and a Titans loss. So even with their win, they still need the Titans to lose to get the AFC South. They clinch a playoff berth with a win and a Ravens loss or tie, a win and a Browns loss or tie, and a win and a Dolphins loss or tie. And then, of course, all the tie scenarios we're not going to talk about. I know Tom would have loved to have talked about this. When we worked together, we were talking. He would put in the calculators that they had out there. Ooh, (laughs) this is, you know, even three weeks out, he'd be like, oh, if this happens and this happens and this happens. And he is still messaging me saying, I hope that the Eagles win and the Giants win or whatever. So we have a six-win team win the NFC East and they get a home. I'm like, oh, man. I don't want this. I want the Eagles to lose, and I want the Washington football team to win, which would what give them seven wins. So it was basically another Seattle Seahawks division type win. I really hope that happens because we need another good draft pick, and four wins can get us a pretty darn good draft pick. So that's where we're at. And your Miami Dolphins were playing the Bills. They can clinch a playoff berth just by winning. That's all they got to do. They got to beat the Bills, and they're in. That seems easy, right? Well, they can also get it if the Ravens lose or the Browns lose or the Colts lose. So there's a lot of scenarios that Miami can get into the playoffs. So I would expect one of those teams to maybe lose, and we will see the Miami Dolphins in the playoffs, which I don't think many people expected this year. Nope. Then you got the Tennessee Titans. All they got to do is win and they win the division. Or the Colts lose and they win the division. And they can clinch a playoff berth with a Ravens loss or a Dolphins loss. So Tennessee's got pretty good options right now. All they got to do is win. They're playing the Texans. Texans aren't very good. Although they did get the uh, Titans got shellacked by the Packers this last week. So they will hopefully be back on their game. Then... The Arizona Cardinals are probably just praying, thanking somebody from up above that Jared Goff is not going to play this week because all they (laughs) got to do is win and they're in and, or I should say, if they tie and the Bears lose, doubt that's going to happen. Chicago Bears win and in. At what point this year did we think that the Chicago Bears would hold their own destiny for the playoffs. It just never really occurred to me. Even when they were five and one or whatever it was, I'm like, yeah, not, not going to happen. And then of course 
they kind of went on a nice little losing streak. But then Mitch Trubisky came back and saved the day. And now, do you think Bears fans want to get in the playoffs? Because that comes back to that scenario we talked about earlier. If they win and they get in the playoffs, they have to keep Mitch Trubisky. Don't yeah. they? And I don't know if Bears fans want that. I think they want to be done with Trubisky. They want to be done with Foles. They want to start over with somebody fresh, new. But here we go. Uh, I don't think the Bears can beat the Packers because it's Bears-Packers and Aaron Rodgers is going to take the day off. Um, and, and it's not like the Packers have clinched everything because they still have to win to guarantee the first-round bye. Because if they lose and the Seahawks win, the Seahawks get the first round by because of the tiebreakers. So they do still have something to play for, and that's probably uh, a good thing for uh, Packers fans. They do need to play for something because I know Packers fans don't want the Bears to get in the playoffs, no matter how it happens. Then we've got the L.A. Rams going against Cardinals. We already said Jared Goff not playing and all they have to do is win and they're in um i don't know about john wolford i have not heard that name too often i don't know if he has what it takes to win at the nfl level but he'll get his chance then we've got the new orleans saints they're trying to get a first round by and it's still possible if the saints win and the packers and seahawks both lose New Orleans Saints would get the first round by and the number one overall seed. After everything that's happened, I didn't even think they stood a chance at that. And I think that would be a huge thing for the Saints because I think we talked about a couple weeks back, Drew Brees hasn't looked like the Drew Brees that we've known, and he might need an extra week to uh, get things normal. All right. Yeah. Now we're to the NFC East. <laughs> I can't believe we're still talking about it. Three of the four NFC East teams can still win that division, I believe. It's saying just Giants and Washington here. Uh, the Giants cl- clinched the NFC East with the Giants win and a Washington loss. So, okay, maybe it is only down to two teams. Washington, if they win, they're in. Or if they tie and the Cowboys lose or tie, it's still a little funky there. Apparently the Cowboys can't. I thought they were still in it. But either way, it's coming down to a six or seven win team for the NFC East. I don't know if I'll ever live this season down. The Eagles were in it. With four wins up until week 16. That should never happen. Never happen. Which of those scenarios for the NFC East do you want to have happen, Network? Because I know Tom has been in my ear about it. I want the worst team, a 16-6-win team, to win that division. I think it would be deserving. I want to see the, the Washington football team defense in the playoffs. Yeah, they could they could stymie somebody, and, and they would host a game. Not that B. 
being at home means as much as it normally does, but they would be at home. Their defense would be amped up and they'd be playing somebody, you know, like maybe the Rams who if they can win and in maybe Jared Goff still isn't quite ready. And who knows, maybe we could see the Washington football team in the second round of the NFL playoffs. That would be something that none of us would have ever considered at the beginning of this year. That defense is for real. The chaos they can cause for a quarterback, and because that defensive line is so tough, the cornerbacks don't have to play lights out. Yep. <laughs> Y'all just guard for three seconds. We got this. We got <laughs> it. Just score us a few points, please. That's yeah. all we ask for. All right. That is going to do it for us this week. It was about half the length of the last time you and I did it. Podcast together, so uh, we we uh, tighten that thing up just a little bit this time. So, just a little bit. Just a little uh, bit. All right, that'll do it for us. Uh, I appreciate everybody out there listening in podcast land. Uh, go check out Network. Uh, his link will be in the show notes. He's on Twitch streaming all sorts of uh, cool stuff. I know you you had a little watchdog session the other day. I was watching off yes. and on. Um, and I'm still living vicariously through you in that game, so uh, you, you got to pick up the pace and play that one more often for me if you, you got if you it. don't mind. You got it. It. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's gonna do it again. Um, if you're uh, playing in Week 17 in the fantasy playoffs, good luck. I'm not naming names, but good luck in Week 17 if you still got something to play for. If not, stay tuned very soon. We are going to have a lot of in-depth off-season statistics and breakdowns, and we're getting excited just for that. And we've got some other things in the near future that as soon as I get some concrete info down, I'll let you know about. We might be able to play fantasy football in the off-season. So stick around for some of that news. All right. Catch you guys later. Good luck. Happy New Year to everybody out there, and we will talk to you next week.